you've got your Bibles, can we turn to Romans 5? And I'm going to be talking from Romans 5 this morning. So if you've got your Bibles, please do that. Uh, just as you do that, can I mention a, a couple of things? Uh, the first thing is we're moving towards our covenant service. And uh, this is a, an exciting Sunday that we're... Most Sundays are exciting, but this one's going to be especially exciting uh, at the end of this month, where, where, or the next month. I'm doing well this morning. I'm in a, uh, next month, where we, we are coming together really to reaffirm our commitment to one another. And uh, we, we recognize that through the period of COVID, it has been a traumatic time for the church. It's been a traumatic time for the nation. And we're still living in the wake of it. I, just in case you haven't noticed. And uh, in, in all sorts of areas within our lives and also within our church. And, uh, and through that time, we've, we've found that people have, have just stopped coming to church. And they, they don't necessarily go anywhere. We hope some of them are watching online, but we're not entirely sure because we don't really know who watches online. We know we've got a whole virtual congregation now through COVID, but we don't really know what constitutes that. And, uh, and so the, there's this element. And I know good friends whose friends have been coming to church for years, even decades, and they just don't go to church anymore. They haven't given up their faith. They just don't go to church anymore. And, uh, and, and, and again, it's direct consequence of COVID. There, there are people who have been coming to the same church forever, and, uh, and, and suddenly they kind of thought, COVID gives us a chance to try out something new, and maybe they wouldn't have gone to another church. But COVID suddenly provided an opportunity for that. COVID sometimes amplified stuff that was in our life. I, um, my, my theory on COVID is I'm not sure it generated anything new. It probably did. But for me, what it did was it heightened everything. It was like an amplifier that seemed to amplify so many things. And it amplified things in people's lives. And, and if people had issues with the church before COVID, COVID would certainly amplify those, church, those issues. And, and some of that's led to people going to other churches. And, and, and so suddenly you have all this flux. Uh, countered by that, we have new people coming along into the church. And so suddenly in the midst of this, and, and by the way, just so you know, leadership in the midst of this is not fun, okay? Uh, it's a calling, but not fun. Uh, because, because suddenly everything is, is happening. But in the midst of that, you then have new people coming a new thing happening, and, and, and this growing conviction that God is going to do something new. And actually, I think it's going to be unique, and I think it's going to be incredibly exciting. I, I know this sounds perverse, uh, given all that I've just described, but I am more excited about the future of SBC than I was pre-COVID. I'm anticipating God doing more exciting things in terms of this church as we move into that future. And, and I have a you know, a growing sense in my spirit, and I'm going, God, where's this coming from? Because really, if, if you look at sort of external things, there, there seems to be trouble everywhere. And uh, I'll, I'm going to talk about finances in a couple of weeks' time. And, uh, and yeah, yeah, we, we face issues, issue after issue. But we are not losing 
the sense of God's new thing and the new work. And what our covenant service is going to do, and we always have a covenant service every year, but this year it's going to be different, partly because we had new articles formulated, but also partly because we felt it was right to come together as God's people and say, we want to be part of that future. And for the people who want to be part of that future to come together and say, you know, guys, we're going to journey together. That doesn't mean we're always going to agree. It doesn't mean it's always going to be easy. But we are going to journey together into the new thing that God has for us. And that's what we're going to do at the covenant service. And, and as we do that, we're going to recognize that we're going to have a period of repentance and reconciliation because we think it's good to have that and it's right. We're going to have an acknowledgement of our leadership and an affirmation of our leadership because we think that some unhealthy stuff has developed within the life of our church that needs to be addressed. And leaders and congregation need to, again, put that right. And we're going to do that at the covenant service. And then we're going to have a communion together Hopefully we see some new members in. And then we're going to affirm to one another our love and commitment to the new thing that God is doing. And that's where we're going. And so to help us get ready, we're kind of doing a sermon series. But before I turn to that and look at the covenant, I want to welcome a new member. And uh, Adam. Uh, well, yeah, if you want to say something. <laughs> Usually we don't let new members say anything. And, uh, so this is Adam. And um, Adam uh, joined, should have been welcomed a couple of weeks ago, but wasn't here. And uh, Adam's been amazing. I mean, Adam stuck with us all through COVID. Um, was involved in our children's work. He was a student at the time and, and just worked in committee and eventually went home. But uh, when you came back, you came to work with navigators. And uh, now you're a nav worker. And uh, it was just so exciting when Adam was saying, yeah, I want to come out and be part of SBC and what God's doing here. We were just having a conversation, weren't we, beforehand? And he was saying, it's great. We've now got all these 20-somethings joining in the church. And uh, I, I think that's really encouraging. We, uh, uh, we've brought in a lot of 20-somethings just in the last couple of weeks, um, which, which is good to see. I think you were saying you were bringing down the average age. Well, <laughs> So, um, so Adam, Adam is also very involved in Sunday evenings, and we have seen some really exciting things happen with Sunday evenings. We kind of went back to our Sunday evening service 12 weeks ago, and, uh, and already in terms of what's been happening there, we've had to move it back upstairs. So, and, and you'll know pre-COVID, it wasn't, and uh, we moved it back upstairs just because of now the weight of numbers, and Adam was instrumental in making that happen, because when we started the evening service, it was like... Um, no, I better not say anything about Brian. But I said, Brian, leave me a team. And he left me a sort of team. And, uh, and then I was like, we're going to launch a new service. And I went, who's going to play? Where are the musicians? And Adam said, I'll come and play. And Adam started to play and was committed. And if you come tonight, it's a special worship night, but I believe Adam's sharing, so you're going to hear Adam's story. Uh, so it's just great to have Adam coming along and be part and committed to the new thing that God is going to do here. So I'm going to ask that you stand together and we're going to pray for Adam. Lord God, I thank you for Adam. I thank you for all the things that you've built into this young man's life. I thank you for the example of Christian service that he has been. I thank you for his commitment to your people. I thank you for his commitment to students. 
I thank you for his commitment to worship and, and to serve you with his life. And I just pray now that as Adam affirms his involvement with the life of this church, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will rest upon him, that you will lead him to do great things for you. Lord, that you will work through him to touch many lives. We ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. I love that story that we read in Luke chapter 14 because it said, compel them to come so that my house will be full. And, and I, I just love that vision. This morning we've actually got Cafe Church going up at, on up at the Haven and you know, people from all kinds of diverse backgrounds coming and joining in and, and engaging with that message compelling people to come. And, and it's a heart that I would love for all of us to have. One of, one of the things that people kind of, we, we, we get opportunity to, to sort of ask people is, and you know, I've talked about people leaving, but, but the great thing is when people join, you say, why are you joining SBC? And uh, you know, why, why are you getting involved with us? You know, you're 20-something, why, you, why are you choosing SBC? Why, why are you getting involved? And, and, and I want to talk about some of the answers that people give to me in relation to that question. Because actually, it goes to the DNA of our church. And, and, and the things that people say kind of confirm some of our fundamental values. And these are genuine things that people say, but, but it shows me that the values of SBC are working. And, and are actually shaping us. And, and, and people come and they say to me, first thing, number one thing is that they say, we are welcome. We feel accepted and welcomed here. And, uh, and that's great. And, and obviously that's, that's true of most churches. But people say, in terms of SBC, there feels like an acceptance of people who ch other churches might say they accept, but really they don't or they don't feel accepted in those churches. And, and a, a culture of welcome. We have a statement on our website, it's one of our values, and, and it says, we are inclusive. And, and it says this, we believe the gospel of the Lord Jesus and his church is for everyone. Everyone is welcome to be part of this community, no matter sexual orientation, marital status, or personal chance challenges. Together as broken people, we will seek what it means to follow Jesus. A radical environment of acceptance. And, and here's the thing, if you struggle with people of different color, you struggle with people who are struggling with, uh, or are of different sexual orientation, if you struggle with people who are struggling with issues in their lives and express brokenness, you know what? You're probably not going to find SBC the best place to be. Because I want to fulfill what Luke 14 talks about, and it says, go out and compel people to come to the community of God's people so that they will be welcomed and accepted. You know, and, and I don't want a church where we make people feel like, well, if you clean your life up, we might accept you. Somebody posted this on their, a member of our church posted this on Facebook. I don't go on Facebook much, but I think it kind of described it for me. It says, a liberal church says, 
you are welcome here and you do not have to clean up your life. A legalistic church says, you are not welcome here until you clean up your life. And Jesus says, you are welcome here and I will change your life from the inside out. And I call, I'm sort of talking about third way Christianity. And, and I believe this is what God calls SBC to be to be an example of radical acceptance and welcome. Not because we're somehow theologically liberal and we don't take the Bible seriously, but because we believe it is what Jesus modeled. You know, Jesus, I, 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 uh, I've been writing a little bit, and, uh, and I was writing on John 8, and the story of the woman on adultery. And, and here's this woman, and wow, she's got issues. And, and, and Jesus is the issue to her. He, he says to her, he, you know, he says to everybody there, okay, guys, um, maybe you need to be more concerned about the sexual issues and the sin in your life than the sin in hers. So stop worrying about sorting her, her sexuality before we sort out your sexuality. And, and, and then he says, once you get that, it creates an environment where he says, woman, does anyone condemn you here? And she says, no one. And I thought, that's amazing. That is amazing. Now, listen, Jesus didn't think that the woman's adultery wasn't an issue. He didn't think it wasn't sin. But he created an environment where she could come and be present, and there was no sense of condemnation. And then Jesus says an even more radical thing where he says, neither do I condemn you. Just think about that. Think about what Jesus is modeling there and demonstrating. Think about that in terms of the church. And then he says this. He says, okay, now as we go into the future, let's get stuff sorted as we journey together. And that's a journey that we have. And, 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 and you know, a radical acceptance that says, now we journey together and we work out what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And I work out what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And you work out what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And uh, Anthony works out what it means to be a follower of Jesus. As we go together. As God challenges us and his Holy Spirit convicts us about stuff and we fix stuff. And we begin to try and look like a Christ-like community. Which welcomes and accepts in a radical fashion. This is not to be lip service. It's actually to be what we are. And, and, and one of the wonderful things, and uh, you know, I've talked to parents, and um, you know, I've said, why have you chosen SBC? And they say, because we know that our children will be accepted here, no matter the struggles or the issues that they face. And we are going to be that kind of church. You know? And if you want to be part of that sort of church, then come and commit. But if you don't want to be something in terms of that, that's okay. I, I get it. But that's what SBC is going to be as we move forward. And it's something, and it's the number one reason when we ask people, why do you choose SBC? Because we were welcomed and accepted in this community. Secondly, people say, you're outward looking. And, uh, and again, you know, this is so close to my heart. I think it was close to what Jesus was saying in that parable. We are not an inward-looking church. 
We're not a church, or, or we endeavor not to be a church that, that's all about itself. Uh, someone uh, once was using the illustration of an oil refinery, and, and they were saying, if you went to an oil refinery and you said, so how much of your production is used for your own benefit? And the oil refinery would say, oh, 90%. They would say, the oil, oil refinery has missed the point of its existence. It exists for others. I love the fact that right as I'm talking here this morning, there's a group of people meeting up the hill there with people that are being brought in from outside. We were existing, and I love the fact, I don't know if any of you, I should have shown it. We were on Channel 5 News three or four weeks ago. I did a cameo part, actually. And, and, and you know, and, and it was brilliant. Why are we on cameo? And it's saying, it's not saying the haven or anything, it's saying Sterling Baptist Church making a difference in people's lives. And it was showing, and, and I actually had one young man saying, this place was a godsend to me. You know, it's made such a difference to my life. You know, and we will continue to be an outward-looking church. Now, again, I'm going to talk to you in a couple of weeks' time about our finances. And, uh, and, and the reality is, you know, we are in, in a place where God's been good, but we face challenges. And, and, and certainly as SBC has grown smaller, we face challenges in terms of the sustainability, long-term, not short-term, thankfully, but long-term in terms of what we're doing. But do you know what? They'll have to carry me out in a box before I let us cut what we're doing in terms of the community, in terms of our community impact to sustain the center, because we're not going to be that kind of church. We're going to be a church that reaches out to the hedgerows and to the marginalized and the vulnerable, and we're going to invite them in. And you know what? People want to be part of a church like that. So if you want to be part of a church that's just preoccupied with the church and what we are within its walls, fine. But that's not going to be SBC as we go forward. Thirdly, one of our other values that we talk about on the website is that we are Bible-centered. And, and it says this, we affirm the Bible, the Old and New Testament, as the only authoritative witness and record of God's dealings with humanity and his self-revelation through Christ. It is binding in all matters of faith and practice However, we also recognize our interpretations and applications of Scripture are flawed, and we also always be open to learning and challenge. Third reason that people often say is they like the way that we come at the Bible. Okay? They, they, they like the way that maybe even what we do, they, they like that. And, and the reason they like it is because we actually do it in a way which is trying to apply the Bible to what's happening in our world. Now, hear this, and, and it's one of the things that, uh, you know, people sometimes tell, tell lies about you. And, uh, and, and one of the, the favorite lies that I used to get, particularly in Baptist circles, was Alistair's a liberal. Um, we, have, we have David Wilson, who used to be the Baptist minister, senior pastor at Hamilton Baptist Church, which is renowned for its conservative approach and views. And he came to this church and he was like, mm, not sure about Alistair, you know, mm, not sure. And, and he came and worked with us and, uh, you know, and he said, I totally changed my view. And he said, I don't know how they thought you were a liberal. And um, 
You know, because we take the Bible seriously. I take the Bible seriously. Uh, just come and look at the shelves in my house in terms of what we believe about the Bible. I believe the Bible is authoritatively binding in word and practice. That means if it's in the Bible, we have to work out what it means for us today and apply it in our lives and apply it to our society. You know, our society at the moment is, is absolutely crazy. I, I mean, and excuse me, but you know, our political classes have now put us in a place where we're looking at sending rapists into female prisons. And, 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 and ideologically, they've arrived at that point, and suddenly, practically, they're having to pull back in it. And as churches that want to be accepting and affirming, just as I expressed, we've got a problem in terms of how do we engage with the insanity, and I call it insanity. You might take exceptions with it, but it is insanity. And, and you know, the rest of the world is looking at Scotland at the moment, thinking, what is going on there? Can't they see? But the insanity of where we've got to, and how do we speak as a godly people committed to the word of God into the society? How do we do that? Without being described as every other name under the sun. That's the challenge. And, and again, this church, we're not going to shy away from that challenge. Not all of us agree about how we respond and deal with it, but we're not going to shy away from that challenge. But what we are going to do as we interpret and understand the Bible is we're not going to say the way that we read the Bible is the only way to read the Bible. Probably nobody in this church has such conviction as I have about what I think the Bible says. Uh, hopefully that comes over inside. But here's the shock, and I know you'll find this all shocking. I can be wrong. No? Did you? Well, I say that again. Yeah, I can be wrong. You know, and if I read the Bible, and it, the Bible is authoritatively binding, but you know what? My interpretations are not. My interpretations are fallible and can be broken. And, and there's a brilliant thing in, in Baptist history where they talk about, we believe that there is more light in the Bible to be revealed and that we don't understand everything that God wants to say to us from the Scriptures. And as we read the Bible, in a particular context, God reveals what's there. And let me, let me unpack this a little bit. Again, one of the reasons I get called a liberal often in Baptist circles is because of my view on women. And again, it's another value on our website, egalitarian, but we won't go there this morning. And, um, and often people say, oh, he, he's liberal. And again, I was at a Baptist conference once. In fact, it was Brian and I was there. And a big American guy from Texas, he came up to us. We just led a seminar. And he said, hey, I was told you guys were liberals. And he said, but you sure didn't sound very much like liberals. And I went, no, we're not. But <laughs> we take the Bible seriously. And, 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 and when it came to women, people said, well, you know, that's only because women's roles in society has changed. And the answer to that is, yes, it is. You know, if I was 100 years ago, I wouldn't see it. But it's not because it's not there in the Bible. I'm not putting it into the Bible. It's because we have cultural blinkers that cause us to read the Bible in a particular way, in a particular context. And sometimes we can't see the things that the Bible says because of the cultural context within 
which we live. But as our cultural context changes, as the questions and problems we deal with change, new things are revealed from Scripture. We don't put them in there, and we must be very careful not to do that. But, you know, we read the Bible, and suddenly we realize, you know what? There's new stuff here. You know what Jesus did? And this is, again, the heart of Jesus' ministry. He came and he said, guys, you've been reading the Scriptures, and you've been missing all this stuff. Because all this stuff's been in there, and you've missed it. And are you willing to be open to rereading the scriptures? Are you willing to learn? Are you willing to grow? That doesn't mean you give up your convictions. Uh, we want to be strong in our convictions, but we want to be open to the possibility we might be wrong. I know for some of us that might be scary, but that's the kind of church we're going to be. That hopefully will give us meaningful dialogue as we speak to one another. Fourth value. And maybe this is the, the heart of what is the message of this church. Is that we are Christ-focused. You know, the heart of the message of SBC that we ask people to be committed to is what we read in Romans chapter 5. And just let me read this. Therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have also obtained access into his grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of God's glory. Not only this, but we also rejoice in sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance character, and character hope. And hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. For while we were still helpless at this right time, Christ died for the ungodly. But God demonstrates his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What is the message of this, Christ, this church? It's God demonstrates his love to us because while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You know, when we come to affirm we're committed to the message of the church, this is the message that we're asking for. It's a message that says, you know, we are broken individuals. Paul explains it in Romans chapter 3. He says, you know, all of a sudden, we, we are messed up. We are broken. Nobody can claim to be righteous before a holy God. And, and actually... God had no right really dealing with us. He should have given up on us because we had rejected him, we had abandoned him, we had offended him. And yet because God loved us, not because of anything in us, but because of God and his heart towards us, Christ came and he died on a cross so that we can be forgiven, so that we can be made whole. That's the message. You know, the values that I've just expressed are all about the expression and understanding of that message. Christ died for you. That's why you can be accepted when your life isn't together. Thank goodness. We'd be in trouble. Because Christ has died and it's based on his work and not your work. Christians so often turn it into our work and not his work. And we proclaim that it is about his work. Paul explains what that means in terms of the death of Christ and his work. He says it involves, uh, it, it involves peace, access, and hope. 
the, he says, because Christ died, now you can know peace through faith. What peace is, is wholeness. He's saying, as you encounter the love of God through Christ, you can know wholeness. You can know healing. You can know forgiveness. You know, one of the amazing things that God says is, I'm going to give you a brand new start. I was talking to Anne-Marie this week, and Anne-Marie, again, is part of her work up at the Haven. And, and Anne-Marie has a story, an amazing story. Her baptism was last Easter. Again, I recommend everybody goes and hears it. And uh, she was addicted to drugs, had major addiction issues. And um, one day she went into a kebab shop in Falkirk, and she didn't behave in a dignified fashion. Let's put it that way. Guy recorded it. It was posted online. Every major newspaper in the country carried it. I think she got over a million views, which I feel really envious of her because I get about 50. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and, you know, it was horrendous. And, and, and people still come in and remind her, oh, you're that person that made that video. Oh, we saw you. And all that, still to this day. And you know what? She's making a new video. And the video is starting with that clip that a million people saw. And then she's saying, this is who I am. Why? Because of Christ. Because Christ gives us a new start. And that's what Paul means when he says peace. He then says we have access to God's glory. Because Christ has died, we now can encounter God and his love firsthand. And that generates a hope. You know, the hope that, hey, life isn't over. You've made mistakes. You've done things wrong. You've maybe made some really bad decisions in your life. But you know what? You can be forgiven. You can have a new start. And you can have hope for the future, even if stuff's been broken in the past. Because God is the God of the resurrection and the new things. And we proclaim a crucified Jesus who allows us to know new things. And so when we go out into the world and we talk to people and we talk to people about being welcomed and accepted, when we talk to people about what it means to reach out and not be inward looking, when we talk about what the Bible is saying, we're saying we're about a God of a new star, of a new beginning, because Christ died and rose again, and so you can know that too. Paul goes on to talk about suffering, and here's the thing. Do you know what? If you become a Christian, life doesn't get any easy. Um, if you've been anywhere near my life in the last few years, you'll know that. It's not easy. You know, it's tough. It's hard. And, and you, we are not immune from suffering. And, and people in our own congregation have experienced that. And they know that. You are not immune from suffering. But here's the thing. We encounter the love of God. We encounter God's love in our suffering. So what does it mean to commit yourself to the message of this church, well, does it mean that you have to stand up and do a theological sermon like I've just done? Does it even mean that you have to preach about Jesus' death and resurrection? Might get in there somewhere. But you know what it means as we read Romans 5? It means that you will be a channel of the love of God that communicates that love that was expressed in Jesus' death and in his resurrection. And when we say be committed to the message of this church, we're asking you to be committed to be a channel of God's love. You know, to find the broken people and in your brokenness. Okay, it's not that we've got it together. We're as equally broken, but in our brokenness, minister to the broken and begin to see God's healing. 
begin to see the power of the resurrection and Christ's death at work in people's lives. You know, it doesn't mean you have to be a great preacher. I, um, the, one of the most powerful things that ever happened in terms of our outreach as a family was when my wife made a bowl of soup and went and visited a lady four doors up who had just had a miscarriage. And she carried in the bowl of soup. And as God's people, my wife didn't stand up here and preach a sermon like I'm doing this morning. She made a bowl of soup and gave it. But she channeled the love of God into a broken person. And that woman went on to discover the death and resurrection of Jesus. New beginnings. She discovered that through a bowl of soup. And that's what we're called to be. You know, and maybe you can't preach a sermon. Maybe you can't work it all through Romans. Maybe you can't do that. Maybe you can. But you can minister and be a channel of God's love. And when we make that promise to maintain the message of this church, we're saying we're going to be channels of God's love. We're going to be channels of God's love at the top of the town. We're going to be channels of God's love in the the life centers we reach out. We're going to be channels of God's love in our families. We're going to be channels of God's love in our friends. And we're going to be channels of God's love to our community. Go and bring them in and fill this place with broken people who know the love of God. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your death and your resurrection. I thank you for that amazing message that we have to carry out into the world. That because you died, we can experience and know your love. Lord, I pray for us. I pray for all of us, whether we're going through difficult times or we're in good places. Whether we're in places of joy or suffering. I just pray that we would know your love. Lord, I pray that as a church, you would help us to be carriers of that love. I pray that when people come into this church, they will feel welcomed and accepted, no matter where they are in life, and that they will experience and know your love as they become part of this community. Lord, I pray that as we move into other parts of the town to minister to to the marginalized and, and, and those that feel broken, Lord, that you would just help us to minister your love. Lord, I pray that in the way that we read and apply your word in our life and in the lives of others, people would experience and know your love. Lord, help us to be channels of your love to this broken world, to our broken nation. Lord, help us to see your peace. Help us to know that access to your glory and to have that sense of hope as we enter the future. We ask this in your name. Amen.